welcome to the Convention of States Legacy Podcast, a weekly program that looks back at historic content from our archives. We hope you are educated and inspired by today's edition. In this episode, we look back at a 2023 hearing of a joint committee of the Maine Legislature on the Convention of States Action Resolution. In addition to local citizens, Convention of States co-founder and senior advisor Michael Ferris gives expert testimony of the United States Constitution to propose amendments to the United States Constitution to impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. Presented by Representative Greenwood of Wales. Senator Nangle, Representative Stover, and distinguished members on the Committee of State and Local Government. Once again, I am Representative Randy Greenwood. I have the honor of representing the people of House District 56 which includes the towns of Litchfield, Monmouth, and my hometown in Wales, both in Androscoggin and Kennebec counties. I am before you today to present HP 1058, a joint resolution making an application to the Congress of the United States, calling a convention under Article 5 of the United States Constitution to propose amendments to the United States Constitution to impose fiscal restraints on the federal government limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government and limit the terms of office for its officials and members of Congress. Article 5 of the Constitution provides two methods of proposing amendments, either by two-thirds of both houses of Congress or upon application from two-thirds of the state legislatures upon which Congress must call a convention to propose amendments. The framers of our Constitution gave us this option to bypass Congress when it refuses to propose needed reforms. Unfortunately, the time has arrived and Congress has become so dysfunctional and arrogant that it no longer listens to the people and refuses to propose amendments that will limit their own power. Since Congress will not do the right thing, we will do it for them by using our authority under Article 5. Maine needs to join with her sister states in order to attain the necessary two-thirds to be able to have an opportunity to discuss and propose reforms that will help rein in our runaway federal government. This is not, I repeat, not a constitutional convention that has the power to propose a new constitution. This is a convention under Article 5 that limits the proposing of amendments to our current constitution only if two-thirds of the state legislatures concur on the subjects. The convention is limited to three subjects in this application contained, and the amendments that are passed must be ratified by three-fourths of the states before they can become part of our Constitution. This is not an easy task, and it's going to take the time to achieve, but we must start somewhere. And we must start with Maine to participate in this important process. It is time for our state legislators to stop being afraid of using our authority and embrace the convention option as a tool to bring some common sense back to Washington, D.C. I ask that you please allow the states to meet 
and propose such reforms and voting ought to pass on HP 1058. Thank you. Thank you. Does anybody have any questions for Representative Greenwood? Representative Doc? Doc? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Mr. Greenwood, Representative Greenwood. Um, what other states have this? I didn't bring the list with me, but I'll have it for work session. Okay. But I know there are people that are on Zoom and probably behind me that, that could actually give you the list of where we are to date. Okay, thank you. It will be great to see that in the uh, work, okay. work session. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions for Representative Greenwood? Representative Underwood? Uh, yeah, one, one question. What are the three subjects? Do you know, please? Yep. Let me read them to you one more time. The three subjects are to impose fiscal restraints on the federal government. That's number one. Number two is to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. Number two, and limit the terms of office for its officials and members of Congress. That's number three. Senator Dangle, Representative Stover, and distinguished members of the Committee of State and Local Government. I am Representative Joseph Underwood from House District 5 and have the pleasure of representing the good people of Presque Isle in Aroostook County. I am a co-sponsor of HP 1058. Because the state legislatures need to propose amendments that will impose physical restraints, jurisdiction, jurisdictional limitations on the federal government, and limit the terms of office for the federal officials and members of Congress. The framers gave us the convention option because they knew there would be a time when Congress would no longer listen to the people and would refuse to restrain its own power. Unfortunately, many of the problems we face today are due to members of Congress kicking the can on issues because they have, do not have the political willpower to do the right thing. The solutions to all our problems will never come from Congress because Congress is the problem. It is time for the states to unite and use the authority we were given under Article 5. I do not fear this process because the convention has no power to change the Constitution. All it can do is offer recommendations in the form of amendments. If any of these amendments achieve a consensus among the states at this convention, they will require ratification by 38 states before being able to be added to the Constitution. We can no longer sit back and expect things to change in Washington, D.C. Our Constitution and our system of government only work well when the checks and balances are being used. It is time for us to check the federal government's power using the mechanism the framers gave to the state legislatures. We cannot complain about what is happening in Washington, D.C. if we are unwilling to use our authority to fix it. Thank you. Thank you, Representative Underwood. Does anybody have any questions for Representative Underwood? Seeing none, thank you very much. Are there any other uh, co-sponsors or state agencies that would like to testify? Seeing none, uh, we'll open this up to 
members of the public. Um, I have a there's I have an understanding that there's somebody on Zoom that has a uh, deadline and would like to go first. So we'll take that if he is in favor of this bill. Mr. Chairman, I think that might be me. My name is Michael Ferris. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I am the uh, co-founder of the Convention of States Project. I'm an attorney, uh, been in practice since 1976. I the, uh, have represented uh, state legislators in an Article 5 challenge uh, back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, in a case that made it to the Supreme Court of the United States concerning uh, the extension of time uh, relative to the Equal Rights Amendment. I've also taught constitutional law at Patrick Henry College for 17 years. Uh, the resolution in front of you follows along the spirit of George Mason's comments at the end of the Constitutional Convention in, in 1787. Uh, the last week of the convention, uh, the proposal on the table at the time was Congress would propose all amendments to the Constitution and the states would ratify all the amendments. Uh, Mason stood and said, there's going to be a day when the federal government abuses its power. And when that happens, we need to have an ability for the states to propose amendments because Congress will never voluntarily limit its own power. And the uh, intervening 200 plus years have proven the truth of his statement. His uh, approach was unanimously adopted without debate. And the states are given the moral authority and the legal authority to rein in abuse of power by the federal government. And I'll just focus on one thing. When we started this project 10 years ago, the uh, national the federal debt was about $16 trillion. And that number in round numbers has doubled in the intervening 10 years. And the Congress simply is not going to do anything to stop the runaway debt. And the states, state legislators in particular, have the authority to stop this, to stop the abuse of the spending power of the country. And there's other examples that we could give, but in the interest of time, I'll, I'll just stick to that example. So the process is this. Two thirds of the states, that's 34 states, must pass a resolution calling for a convention for a particular subject matter. There are hundreds of existing resolutions that have been passed, including resolutions by Maine that have been passed over the years uh, calling for conventions for various topics. But you have to have an absolute cohesion of the, of the subject matter in order to call a convention. 19 states have uh, certainly passed the resolution. And I can uh, give you those uh, verbally if you want, or else we can submit it in writing. Uh, of the 19 states that have done that. Kansas is in a somewhat unique situation. Uh, they have voted in a majority, but there is a legal issue about whether they needed a two thirds majority and that's being un, um, dealt with right now. And so it's 19 or 20 states uh, have passed this resolution. It's passed the North Carolina House and it's pending in the North Carolina Senate right now. That's the most active uh, state at, at the moment. The um, at the stage two of the convention is, is the convention itself. And there it's one state, one vote. Um, and you have to stick to the subject matters that, that are listed here in this resolution. All 19, by the way, that have passed this have identically uh, used the operative language that's in, in the measure in front of you. The, um, then the final stage is the real checks and balances of any, anything going awry, and that is 38 states have to ratify, which means if 13 states 
Well, no, it's not. You don't, anything is rejected. It also means if one house in 13 states votes no, it's no. Or if 13 states just don't take it up, it's no. It actually affirmatively has to pass in 38 states, which means that nothing crazy can come through. It's going to be hard to get good things through, but anything crazy is impossible. I don't care if it's right-wing crazy or left-wing crazy. Crazy is impossible. Uh, and so we'll, we'll be seeing, I, I believe, responsible issues and responsible measures that will have any realistic chance of making it all the way through. Um, the most common question that I've answered for state legislators all over the country is, can this run away? Can you uh, take up um, subjects that are not a part of the, of the uh, call in the convention? And the answer is, no, you can't. Um, there's a lot of reasons. Mr. Ferris? Yes. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but your time is up. Can you just give us like one sentence and wrap? Sure. In States, you must stick to the subject matter, and there are many reasons that that's true. Thank you for your time, Senator, and I appreciate the opportunity to testify. Thank you. Does it, any, uh, Senator Baldacci has a question for you. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Ferris. Uh, welcome to state and local government. Uh, what is the operative language? The operative language is the three subject matters that, that have been read to you by the bill sponsors. It's the fiscal restraints, term limits on federal officials and members of Congress and, and uh, impose jurisdictional limits on the state and federal government. I'm not quoting it exactly, but that those are that's the operative language. So that, that would put it in sync with the other 19 states? Is that what you're saying? It's word for word the same as the other 19 states. Okay. No, I appreciate it. I just want to indicate for the record that I've co-sponsored not this one, but a similar, somewhat similar one with Senator Bennett for Convention of States and I agree with you that some action has to be taken, but thank you for being here today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Ferris, for being here today to testify. Uh, just a quick question. I consider you to be an expert on this subject matter and would ask if you would be available for the work session, which is yet to, uh, which is yet to be scheduled. I, I will make every effort to do so. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions for Mr. Ferris? Re Representative Reisman. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you for your testimony, sir. Um, the 19 states that have passed identical resolutions, what's the time period? How? What's like the oldest one and what's the newest one? The uh, oldest one is 10 years ago and the newest one is last year. Okay, thank you. Uh, is there a deadline or does this just stay rolling open? It, it stays rolling open unless uh, a state uh, puts a deadline on its own resolution. Oklahoma originally put a five-year deadline on its resolution. Uh, it has since repealed that. Texas put a five-year deadline on it, and it is currently debating the removal of that five-year deadline. Thank you. Any other questions for Mr. Ferris? Seeing none, thank you very much. Thank you, Senator. Okay, um, so is there a member of the public that would like to testify? Uh, please don't forget to sign in, you can come up. And again, no props. Um, yeah, we're gonna have a, by the way, we're gonna have a three minute timer just so we can keep things moving. Uh, 
Thank you, Senator Nangel and Representative Stover. <clears throat> Members of the committee, my name is Haley Shaw. I am the Regional Director for Convention of States in this area, and I'm here to speak on behalf. We are a national grassroots nonprofit organization with over 5 million supporters nationwide, and we are here to advocate in favor of HP 1058. Many of those supporters are here in this room right now, and they're representing over 15,000 Mainers that have signed the petition and are here to share their support on a personal level. I'm here to explain the purpose of the Article 5 convention process and the historic reason it was put into the Constitution. A significant and growing majority of Americans believe that our republic has deviated completely off course, far away from the principles and limitations established by the United States Constitution. 62% of Americans believe Washington, D.C. ignores the popular will of the people, and that's a bipartisan agreement. Congress has usurped powers that rightfully belong to you, the elected lawmakers of Maine. The activities of Washington, D.C. today would have been unthinkable to our founding fathers. Federal laws now touch upon every aspect of our lives, what kind of light bulbs we can buy, farming practices, school curriculum, school lunches, health care, and insurance. Meanwhile, we live under the shadow of a crushing national debt that threatens to enslave our grandchildren and their children. All of this comes courtesy of an activist Supreme Court, which has vastly expanded the federal power through its precedence. The court has created loopholes to the Constitution's limits on federal powers, and those loopholes will remain there until somebody closes them. During the writing of our U.S. Constitution, Colonel George Mason specifically predicted that the federal government would one day overpower the states. Knowing human nature, Colonel Mason predicted that Washington, D.C. would violate its constitutional limitations and the states would need to make adjustments to the Constitution in order to rein in the abuse of power by the federal government. That is why he insisted that Article 5 include a way for the states to propose constitutional amendments through a state-controlled convention. We believe Article 5 uses the Constitution to save the Constitution. Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution gives states the power to call a convention of states to propose amendments. It takes 34 states to call a convention and 38 to ratify an amendment that is proposed. An Article 5 convention is simply a meeting to propose amendments. Any, am any amendment proposal that comes out of convention needs to be ratified by 38 states. Each state gets one vote, <clears throat> one state, one vote. Congress will never propose amendments to restrict their power, and the federal government will continue to grow and gain power. A convention of states allows the states to have checks and balances on the federal government. The founders intended for the states to decide for we the people, not the federal government. We have passed in 19 states, and hopefully Maine could be state 20. You took an oath to the Constitution. Please honor that oath and vote yes to support HP 1058. Thank you. Thank you. Senator Nagel, Chair Stover. My name is Bevan Corbin. I am the current state director for the Convention of States Action in Maine. Let me get signed in here real quick. I am from Acton, Maine. I am also a retired uh, master sergeant from the Army after 28 years of service. 
11 of those years I spent in the service, I had the privilege of teaching our younger generation who were moving up through the ranks into the non-commissioned officer corps leadership skills. In a two-week course, we had one lesson on there that I think covers a lot of ground, and that's the fear factor. Fear factor being one of the biggest psychological effects anyone could have as to stopping people from taking correct action. So I'd like to speak towards that today. I'll reference my handout here on my testimony. Opponents of the Article 5 Convention of the States for proposing amendments to the U.S. Constitution are stoking fear with objections based on disinformation. A common objective to the Article 5 Convention for proposing amendments is the belief that the convention will run away by ignoring the limitations placed on it. The Constitutional Convention of 1787 is often cited as the example of a runaway convention. Mr. Ferris talked to this point. Limitations on a convention arise from two sources, the call and the commissions. The call is the first resolution, I emphasize first resolution, calling for a convention and it places limitations on the convention as a whole. A commission is set is a set of instructions you, the state legislators, give to the representatives, commissioners, who could be more restrictive than the call. The claim that the 1787 convention exceeded its call starts with incorrect identification of the call. Consider the table on page two. Listing each of the resolutions leading to the 1787 convention, the claim is made that the Continental Congress made the call on February 21st, 1787 and restricted the convention to revising the Articles of Confederation. How could this be if the call for six states had already been selected and instructed their commissioners prior to February 21st? That's why I put the emphasis on the first. First state that called for the convention of states sets the precedence for the convention and every state follows suit. You as legislators can put more limitations on your commissioners when they actually attend the convention. It was Virginia that issued that call in November 1786 without restricting the convention to revising the Articles of Confederation. In other words, they gave it carte blanche to write the U.S. Constitution. New York and Massachusetts did issue commissions that restricted their commissioners to revising the Articles of Confederation. I also want to note, because I'm running out of time here, other common objections. If you look on page three, that is a list of all the interstate conventions that have been held since then, over 40 of them. Not a single one was a runaway, and all of them had a one state, one vote. And on the very last page, there are some selected court cases related to Article 5. What I was hoping to do here with my testimony is help dispel some of the rumors and the fear factor that's been going around about a runaway convention and the fact that this thing would actually get out of hand. It is virtually impossible for that to happen with 38 state legislations, hundreds if not thousands of people having to agree on a runaway convention in order for that to happen. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. I'm sorry, can I have your name one more time? Bevin, it's B-E-V-I-N, Corbin, C-O-R-B-I-N. Thank you. Does anybody have any questions for Mr. Corbin? Representative Underwood. I just have one statement, basically, that is thank you very much for your service. Thank you. To your country, our country. It was my honor and privilege. Thank you as well. 
Thank you, Mr. Chair. You know, just want to comment. You you obviously have a lot more research than I did, and a lot more knowledge on the subject. But thank you for for putting all of these together uh, that that really lay out our history. Um, and and I want to thank you for that. I won't take credit for that. I will give that to my national leadership who who put all this together. They have a great team up there. I try to get the facts and the truth out there, as we know. Thank, thank you. you. Any other questions for Mr. Corbin? Representative Reisman? Just curious, is it possible that a state could have competing uh, committees that would attend a, one or more conventions? Can there be more than one convention going at the same time? Technically, no. This one call for this convention is restricted to these three articles alone. I know you've had um, calls for a convention of state for term limits. In essence, those should be combined into like one convention because they're calling for the same thing we are, term limits. Um, so that's kind of how that would happen. They could join in on that. I do want to let you know that we have a simulation convention coming up in August 2nd through the 4th. We're looking for two more representatives from the state of Maine to attend that. We have one. So if you would like to go to this simulated convention, the second one we've had, it is open for two more representatives from Maine. There'll be three from each state. It's a very good opportunity for you to go through the whole thing and then come back and be able to tell your 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 um, fellow legislators and stuff how it went. So we're actually going to hold a convention, simulated convention. In uh, thank you for actually bringing that up. I, I had the privilege of attending the first one uh, in September of 2016 in Colonial Williamsburg, and it was uh, just a a wealth of information was out there. Um, you could go to the Convention of States website and you could see the results of that. I mean, it was it, it it was amazing and it was not a runaway like some have have suggested could happen. Like I said, if you'd like to contact us, we're still looking for two more representatives from the state of Maine. Okay. Thank you. Any other questions? Seeing none. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, the next person who would like to testify in favor of L uh, HP 1058. Thank you, Senator Nengel, Representative Stover. My name is Blaine Batchelder from Stetson, Maine. Um, I'm speaking in support of HP 1058. If the debates that took place on the sweltering summer of 1787 never took place, would the country be better or worse off? Debates are fundamental to a good governing body, as you all do every day for the betterment of the state of Maine. If we didn't allow debates to take place, could we still consider ourselves a constitutional republic? I believe is over 5 million people in 19 state legislatures that now is the time to return to the de debate table at the national stage. Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution gives us, we the people, acting through our state legislatures, the power to call an amendments convention. This amendments convention would be limited to debates, amendments pertaining to term limits, fiscal restraints, and reducing the size and scope of the federal government. The opposition to calling such a convention will use the term constitutional convention, which is not found in Article 5. Such terms, catchphrases, are widely used by lobbyists to spread fear, uncertainty, and doubt on matters they do not agree with. Do not be fooled by their overzealous expressions. However, they may be pleasantly arranged. They will be words of sound only. And though they may amuse the ear, they cannot inform the mind. Please inform yourselves on the law, history, and usage of Article 5 before making any rash decisions. Speaking of rash decisions, let's talk about how our federal government makes fiscal decisions. Would anybody in this room trust? the feds with your checkbook? 
I wouldn't either. If the answer was no, then calling for an amendments convention can bring about needed change to our federal government's fiscal policy making. Over the past several decades, our government has been passing bill after bill with no other way to pay for them besides printing more money. This is not a Democrat or Republican topic. This is a fundamental topic that concerns every American young and old. It is time we return to the fundamental principles that made this nation the shining light of freedom and prosperity for the world. In Federalist 45, James Madison wrote that the powers delegated to the federal government are few and defined. The powers reserved to the states will extend to all objects which in the ordinary course of affairs concern the lives, liberties, and properties of the people. Would any of you say that the powers held by the federal government today are few and defined? Make no mistake, Article 5 is the last defense mechanism bestowed to the states to check an out-of-control federal government. Now, with 31 plus trillion in debt and no sign of righting the wrong, it is not the time to let fear, uncertainty, and doubt by a few overeducated lobbyists bind our hands and allow the federal government to spend us over the looming financial cliff. Talks of a runaway convention should not turn us to stone while a runaway Congress becomes ever more reckless with our grandchildren's future. Thank you and God bless America. Good morning, I'm Stephen Arnold. I'm from the town of Gorham. I've been a resident there since 1989. And I'm also a district captain with uh, volunteering with the Convention of States. Uh, Chair, Nover, uh, Chair Stover and Chair Nagel and distinguished committee members, thank you for this opportunity to be heard. As I said, my name is Stephen Arnold. And I've been in Marisina Gorham since 1989. I'm here today to urge you to support HP 1058. You know, President Lincoln famously ended the Gettysburg Address with the phrase, and that the government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. Sadly, today, we are experiencing a different kind of government, a government of Washington, D.C., by Washington, D.C., to we the people. The framers of the Constitution envisioned a very limited role for the federal government, such as national defense, protecting the free flow of interstate commerce, and assuring unimpeded communications via the old post road. In other words, the federal government would be the glue that held the country together while allowing the states the freedom to govern themselves. Today, we find ourselves um, governed by executive order, federal regulations that impede our freedoms, legislators who support the desires of large donor groups instead of the people who elected them. Fortunately, our founders have the foresight for Article 5 uh, allows the states to come together, free of all federal control, to propose amendments to the Constitution of the United States, and as you've heard, term limits, fiscal responsibility, and limited federal regulations. Let me be clear, this is not a partisan red, blue, or even purple issue. No matter who's in power in Washington, D.C., they will never relinquish their own power. This is a personal priority for me. I'm a 13th generation American. My ancestors came here in 1635, 15 years after the pilgrims, to escape the tyranny of the King of England. Every generation of my family has defended this country. 
I consider this my contribution to the defense of our country, not from a foreign or domestic enemy, but from a failing federal government, a muck and greed and insatiable lust for power. On April 30th, I became a grandfather for the first time. I'll share pictures with you if you'd like. <laughs> While I'm filled with joy, I can't help but wonder what kind of country I am leaving behind for my grandson. I want him to grow free and to have all the opportunities that I've enjoyed in my lifetime. Help us to restore the balance of power between the state and federal governments. Please vote ought to pass on HP 1058. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Arnold, thank you for being here. Congratulations on being a grandfather and thank you for your service to the country. I just, I think that in your remark, I, I enjoyed your remarks um, and I appreciate the fact that you emphasize it's not a partisan issue. And I think you were spot on on your statement that says no matter who is in power, they will never relinquish it on their own. And I think that's why there, there's so much support for this type of approach. So yes, thank you very much. I agree. And yeah. thank you for providing support. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions? Thank you. Go ahead. Hi, my name is uh, Debbie Cooper. I live in Carmel, Maine. Um, thank you for letting me speak today. Dear committee, committee members, when I first heard about Convention of States, I was so excited. Finally, a way we the people can have some say in what's going on in our country right now and something I can do personally to help our country. I am very concerned about America and what we are becoming. A convention of states is a solution that will let us go around the Washington political establishment and rein in our runaway Congress. Do you think Congress will ever vote for term limits for themselves or fiscal restraints or to reduce the size and power of the federal government? Yeah, me neither. These are the three topics to be discussed at the convention and only these three topics will be discussed. Anyone attempting to bring up another topic will be called out of order. I want to give you my thoughts on each of these topics. Term limits. The state of Maine has seen fit to limit the terms of our legislators, so why would you not want the same for the United States Congress? Two, fiscal restraints. Our federal debt and current budget are astronomical. The average American can't even fathom that much debt and spending. How do we stop it? Well, we can make amendments that will reduce that spending by, for example, setting some limits. Some of the bills they pass are thousands of pages. How ridiculous. How about we limit the pages a bill can be? How about we make it so each bill can only cover one topic so our representatives can understand what exactly is being proposed? Another problem I see is for years, Congress has been using federal grants to keep the states under control, combining these grants with federal mandates, which are rarely fully funded. How about we eliminate mandates? And three, reduce the size and power of the federal government. In Article I, Section 8 of the Constitution, our founding fathers set forth which areas Congress shall have power to regulate. Education and health care are not mentioned. This demonstrates that most of the problems our country is facing are the result of constitutional interpretations that capitalize on ambiguities in the wording of certain phrases, such as the General Welfare Clause. It has been interpreted as unlimited power to spend. We can restore the federal government to its proper limited place only by clarifying the original meaning of these phrases through constitutional amendments. These are just a few examples of things that can be discussed at the convention. Wouldn't it be great to have Maine become the first New England state to pass our resolution? As goes Maine, so goes the nation. 
I believe there will be a convention of states, so I hope you will be sure that Maine is on the right side when this historical event occurs. I hope you will join me and over 15,200 of the Maine petition signers and use the authority our founding fathers gave us in Article 5 for just such a time as this to move this resolution forward by voting ought to pass on HP 1058. If not now, when? If not us, who? Thank you for listening to me today. Thank you, Ms. Cooper. Does anyone have any questions for Ms. Cooper? Seeing none, thank you very much. Next. Here's Stover, Sharon Engel, distinguished members of the committee. Hello, my name is Shannon Murphy. Uh, first off, I have a deep love of this great but bruised and battered republic. I spent most of my adult life defending it as well as our constitution. I cannot comprehend how we got where we are today. We're so far in debt that our great-grandkids will be stuck with the bills in the unlikely event that there's still a United States of America for them left to live in. No one in their right mind believes the federal government can continue to spend money that it will never have. Both parties in Washington will say they're going to fix the insane budget issues, but we all know they won't. But you as state legislatures can be the answer to stopping the insanity by passing this Convention of the States resolution. What's so scary about the federal government being forced to live within its means, just like the rest of us? It's much less scary to me than the nation imploding like every other nation in history that spent far beyond its means. Term limits for Congress are also on the table in this convention. The, uh, the majority of the American people support term limits for Congress. I've seen polls that show between 60 and 77%, depending on which ones I look at. I believe most folks we send to DC start out with good and honorable intentions, but the longer they stay there, the more corrupt they become. They get to the point where they have more allegiance to their parties than they do to our Republic. This convention of the states also addresses federal government overreach. I believe the idea of the 50 different states deciding what works for them is much more in line with our Republican-style government. Let's not confuse this with the Republican Party. Uh, what works for California is not necessarily going to work for Maine, but the federal government always tries to use the one-size-fits-all idea. Best plan to take care of each state is through the people and the states as prescribed in the 10th Amendment. Why do we need DC telling us how to educate our children? Why are we paying federal taxes just to have them spend money back to us if we follow their plan? We need to get back to keeping the federal government in their box, meaning they are only to deal with the 18 enumerated powers that the US Constitution allows them. Just think how much money the federal government would not have to borrow if they just followed what the Constitution demands. What we're working towards through this convention of the states is the once very recognizable ideal of self-governance that made this republic the greatest experiment in history. I truly believe this is the only thing that will save or will save our beloved nation. Thank you. Thank you. Does anybody have any questions for Mr. Murphy? Seeing none. Good afternoon, um, Chair Angle, Chair Stover. Distinguished members of the Joint Standing Committee on State and Local Government. My name is John McDonald. I'm from Litchfield. 
I'm a member of uh, the Convention of States Project, and I'm here to support HP 1058 and Maine becoming the 21st state to call for a Convention of States. Liberty requires responsibility. There are 32 trillion reasons why waiting for the US federal government to solve this now $32 trillion deficit problem can no longer be considered responsible. We tried, Washington isn't going to fix Washington. That's a lot of irresponsible spending, a lot less liberty for us, and it's not even our money. It belongs to the first of three groups of people I wish to speak to you about today. I'm here in the support of the Convention of States proposal in order to support three very important groups of people. The first group are three very cute Maine residents, Caden Six, Elena May Five, and a good friend of mine, Uriah, age nine. I didn't bring any pictures, I don't have to. Say hi, Uriah. <laughs> I told you they were cute. He's learning about civics today. He sure is. These are my grandchildren. The very reason my wife and I decided to move to Maine five years ago, and the $32 trillion is theirs. They are why I decided to join the Convention of States Project. The second group of people are my new friends at COS sitting here in support of the Convention of States resolution before you today, because this proposal offers a nonpartisan solution as big as the nonpartisan problem. And finally, the third most important group of people I'm here to support today are each one of you. You and all of your colleagues in the main House and Senate, let's not mince words. Politics is about three things, money, influence, and power. When the COS petition is ratified by 38 states, not if, a great deal of that power isn't going to be reduced. It's going to be given to you. I support the Convention of States because I want you to have it, because Uriah will be better served if you do. Republican, Democrat, Independent, it doesn't matter. I believe all of Maine will be better served if you have that power because you will be more responsible with it. Responsibility and liberty do seem to be very important to all my new neighbors here in Maine. I was told when I first started my business here in Maine and I hope you'll also agree, since it makes even more sense here in Maine, and that is, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing has always been liberty. I hope you'll support the Convention of States with your vote and take back what rightfully belongs with you. Thank you. Thank you. Does anybody have any questions for Mr. McDonald? You've got a fan in the audience. Thanks. <laughs> Seeing none. I can um, bring more if you like. <laughs> okay, ready? Good morning, esteemed members of the State and Local Government Committee. My name is Rosanna Young, and I'm a resident of Edgecombe and a lifelong Mainer. I'm here today to urge you to vote yes on HP 1058. Right now, the United States does not operate under the Constitution. Rather, it operates under the Constitution as interpreted by the Supreme Court. The president makes laws when the Constitution says only Congress can make laws. They spend money on issues the Constitution says belongs to the states. Washington, D.C. is broken, and as we've heard, it will never reduce its own power. Um, 
as you've heard also. In 1787, George Mason was a Virginia delegate to the Constitutional Convention. He predicted that this day would come, and he gave us a solution, Article 5. When the delegates were debating the amending process to the Constitution itself, the proposal was on the table for Congress to propose all amendments, and the states would ratify all amendments. George Mason argued that a day would arise when the federal government would abuse its power. He believed the amendments to the Constitution could and should have checks and balances. He said, quote, no amendments of the proper kind would be attained by the people if the government should become oppressive, end quote. I believe that's where we're at today. The amendments we need today will never be proposed by Congress. We need to stop the general welfare clause that says Congress can spend money on anything it wants. We need to stop the crushing regulations of our economy through the misuse of the commerce clause. We need to stop the crushing debt that has arisen from inappropriate spending projects. And we must do something to stop the overreach of the federal government. The structure of decision-making matters. Who decides the laws is more important than what is decided. If our liberties are to be protected, then we need to follow the principle that the power of the federal government is limited and enumerated. Myself and many of my fellow Americans have had enough of federal overreach and we're ready for true change that I believe only a convention of states can bring. There is speculation that the convention of states will become a runaway convention and I have included in your packets um, the um, flyer addressing those concerns. I'm here today to urge you to vote, uh, to bring the power back to the states, to each of you sitting here. As the saying goes, as you heard already, as Maine goes, so does the nation. Right now, with the 19 states that have already passed the resolution and the over 15,000 signatures in favor, I'm asking you to make Maine the 20th state. I know that I would rather have the states deciding what is best for me and my family rather than the federal government. I have two grandsons that are going to be left with this federal deficit. I had 27 trillion, I heard today it's 32. So even worse, um, how are they supposed to live the American dream? If we keep borrowing more and more, it's going to reduce the opportunities and prosperity for them. We are obligated to ensure that the next generation is able to define their own path control their own destiny and policies without the burden of forever paying for our current needs. Ms. Young, I'm going to ask you two to seconds with one sentence. All right. America is founding on a, founded on a principle that we must leave the next generation better off with financial freedom to decide their own future. That's why I strongly urge you to vote ought to pass on HP 1058. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Does anybody, Representative Stover, has a question for you? I don't have a question. I just want to thank for being here this morning. She's my constituent from Edgecombe, and I'm really glad you're here. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Okay. Any other questions? Seeing none. Good afternoon, Senator Nagel, Representative Stover, and distinguished members of the committee. My name is Karen Edwards. I live in Lowell, Maine, um, and I believe that it's time that we reclaim self-government, and therefore I am in favor of HP 1058. I'm worried about my grandchildren's and also future generations losing their freedom. By passing HP 1058, it will impose term limits, fiscal restraints, and limit the size and scope and jurisdiction of the federal government, therefore bringing power back to the states. 
I'd like to thank you for your consideration and also hopefully your support of the convention of states. Okay. Thank you. Does anybody have any questions for Ms. Edwards? Seeing none, thank you very much. Good morning, Senator Nadler, Chair Stover, and members. Um, my name is Samantha Glencross. I'm from Brewer, Maine. Um, I'm hoping that after all these testimonies, you will be excited to pass this resolution. Um, I grew up and currently live in Brewer. Um, I'm here to testify in favor of HP 1058. Uh, I've always been a proud American. I love this country and I have faith and respect for our founders who drafted this country's constitution and government. I've watched as the federal government has overstepped, overspent and overtaken the controls in this country. But what could I do alone to fix this problem? When I first heard about Convention of States, it sounded like a great idea. As I investigated it and saw how it worked, I realized that this is exactly what I've been looking for, a real way to make change in my country, in my state, in our state. Put the power back where it belongs with us and you, our state government, not Washington. Imagine my surprise when I realized our smart founders had put a real solution right in the Constitution. They knew what happens when you give people power, they want more. The founders unanimously agreed to adding the second part to Article 5, which gave you, the state legislatures, the ability to propose amendments, not just Congress, because the founders knew that they wouldn't give back any of the power on their own. The power they are taking away is your power. We elect you to make decisions for Maine, not Washington. The federal government is out of control and more power hungry than ever. Centralized power is never a good thing, as we're clearly seeing today. The federal government is not swayed by the American people anymore, but by elect unelected bureaucrats and special interest groups. Convention of States is a real foolproof way for the citizens to get back to self-governance as our founding fathers intended and take back our state's power. The Convention of States has more checks, balances, and safeguards than our present, present government now. The three topics will be the only three up for debate. Our country needs a big change. We need our government to be working for us. This is the time that our founding fathers knew would come where we needed to set the federal government back in its constitutional box. And with Article 5, they gave us a way to do that. We as citizens have become complacent, just accepting what happens in Washington, thinking we have no power, but we do. Convention of States using Article 5 gives you and us the power we need to set the set us back on the right path as individual states. Uh, I truly agree that Convention of States is a solution as big as the problem, and I, will hope that, I hope that you will vote to pass this. As of date, we have 15,286 signatures backing this movement, and I'd say that's enough to tell you that your constituents are on board. Please help us become the 20th of the 34 that we need for all of our freedoms. Thank you. Does anybody have any questions from Ms. Glenbrose? Senator Baldacci. Uh, even though you're not from Bangor, you're from Brewer, almost as good. Almost. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> thank you for being here. And thank you for your comments. They were thank very you. well received. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Next. My name is Marge Ripley. I'm sorry, what's your last name? Ripley. Okay. And where are you from? Harris. Thank you. That's me shaking that noise you hear. 
But I just want to start off with uh, there was some uh, had heard a lot of people get confused about whether this is going to end up in a great big convention that will destroy the Constitution. If you look at it in your Article Five, that's there, right? So it's like the fifth line down. Shall call a convention for pro proposing amendments which shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this constitution this book that you have in your hand there is the constitution so the, the this cannot be destroyed by making amendments to it uh, and the and the old rules if that something change the old one stays right in the book if they repeal something it stays as part of the constitution that's the uh prohibition bill was like that both of them are in there the the no, you can't, and the yes, you can are both still in there. There's no way to change the original wording of this. Um, my other issues were um, the overreach of the federal government. And I know people, the longer you stay in a job, you may get more skilled at it, but you also get more lax about it. And civil forfeiture is not a function that the federal government's mandated to do in the Constitution, or allowed to do. Uh, there is a search and seizure in there that you can't do that without a warrant, but that's uh, something that uh, gets done sometimes really, really overdone uh, and without enough uh, consideration. Uh, Border security, we're supposed to be able to have a secure border from our federal government, but we're not getting that now. We're getting a mishmash of whatever, who's ever in power decides who, which, which color or which shape or which gender you are to get across the border. I don't, it's, it's just a mess. We need some, and our, our founding fathers, I don't think, thought that we would ever have something like civil, civil forfeiture of your, of your uh, property, just take it because we think you've been peddling drugs. I don't, and the, the, when you go to the airport and you get searched and felt all over to find out if you've got weapons on you, that's, that's abuse. You're not supposed to interfere with my person unless you've got a reason and a warrant to have the permission to do that. We are individual people, we're autonomous, we can do what we're gonna do our way unless we're hurting or destroying other people. It's it's not anything that the father, founding fathers knew that they would have to make special laws preventing those things from happening. But they did at one time say, the only way that this constitution can function properly is if we are a good and moral people, which means that the bigger percentage of us tell the truth, do the right things, don't try to make life miserable for people. We don't do bad stuff. And the same part of that morality is when other people are doing that, you have a system in place that takes care of taking those people that are being damaging and heartful and, and uh, just not civilized people that you can take them out of commission. And we need to do that. We don't need to have people that... Uh, go to a peaceful protest and end up getting arrested for whatever reason somebody wanted to arrest them when when they didn't do anything wrong. It's 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 not against the law to protest, and we shouldn't be uh, 
allowing our government to uh, forego all its responsibilities and then to overreach on innocent people that are just trying to have a decent life. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Ripley. Does anyone have any questions? Representative Greenwood. It's not a question. It's just a thank you for providing copies of, of the Constitution. Okay. Uh, I actually carry one with me every day, not to be used as a prop, of course, but uh, just as a reference. Yeah. When I have questions, I can always refer back to it. Yes. But thank you for, for I'm sharing. I'm glad to hear you doing that because I always think well, if anybody anybody's got to face the legislation they're considering, match it against this. And if there's anything in here that violates the rights that are reserved to the people, that piece of legislation has no place in our in our uh, laws. Thank you. Next person who would like to speak in favor. Good morning or good afternoon. My name is Steve Rogers. I live in uh, Westbrook. I want to thank all the members for being here and considering our comments uh, this afternoon. A uh, couple of things that I wanted to touch. I didn't have a chance to write out a whole lot of stuff. I was notified uh, in short time, but um, we do need term limits. We have people there that have been there 40 years and have had no other job. They have no ex life experience except Congress or in the political sphere. Um, we have two examples right now why we need term limits. I understand John Fetterman is new, but Diane Feinstein is 89 years old, and she's recently said, I've been here for three months when she's actually been in California. I feel sorry for her, but... If you have term limits, you cut down on the corruption. Because mo in my view, it's just personal, uh, most of Congress is corrupt. They keep taking bribes and graft, oh, I, I mean, um, campaign contributions. Um, so we do need those term limits for our senators, our congressmen. And I think to add on to that, probably judges, federal judges. Uh, if we're going to save America, a land we all love, then we have to take the steps. Our flag, our state flag, says Dorigo. My understanding is that means I lead. We need this committee to talk to the rest of the legislature, convince them we have to pass this resolution, and lead the other states that are necessary to get to 34 so we can have a convention of the states. It's the only way we're going to save our country. Congress will not control themselves. We can see that. They had chance 20 years ago to pass a balanced budget amendment. They didn't do it because they want the power. It's all about power and glory and money. They're not ever going to try from this point on to balance the budget. Right now we have $32 trillion in current debt. But what they don't tell you is there's $141 trillion in debt that they've stolen out of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the airport trust fund, and the highway trust fund for their stupid projects. It's up to us. We are the government. We are. The people form the states. The states form the federal government. We're not their servants. They are our servants. And you guys are our servants. And you're doing a good job. 
But on a federal level, they're terrible. They're all corrupt. And they're not going to change. So I would ask you to seriously consider passing this HP 1058 for the benefit of us, not just us, but for our children and our grandchildren. We're never going to pay that $175 trillion back. You could put $100 billion in it a year and it's never going to get paid. I'm sorry. Your time I, I saw that. Yep. But I want to thank you. Thank you. And thank you for giving serious consideration to everybody here. We really appreciate it. May God bless you. Does anybody have any questions for Mr. Rod? We got the question part. <laughs> Seeing none. Okay, thank thank you. you. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to speak, speak in favor of HP 1058? I'll preface with I had no intention of coming up here and speaking today, but I feel compelled to do so watching the proceedings. My name is Joe Scanlon. I live in Berwick, Maine. And I heard some posturing earlier about bureaucracy and we the people. And I'm asking you, I'm looking at every title here. It says representative, 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 senator, senator. You are our representatives. You work, work for us. I heard someone talking about a friend in the governor's office and what they were thinking about some particular bill that was going on early. Context may be wrong, but that's how I received it. I'm asking you to go to your constituents, go to we the people, go to the people who put you where you are and ask them what is their opinion on these three topics and where do the will of the people, your constituents stand on these particular topics, 60, 70, the greater majority, a plurality, whatever you want to call it, represent your people, represent the taxpayers of this state. The ones who go out there every day and make this state greater than it is. Because if you don't, you're failures and you're fakes. You're on your cell phone while we're trying to talk about these things, taking care of personal business. What an insult. What an absolute slap and spit in my face. Sorry. I'm shaking. I'm so angry. Yeah, I'm done. Thank you. Anybody else who would like to speak in favor of this bill? Okay, seeing none. Is there anyone who would like to speak in opposition of this bill? Hi, everybody. How you doing? Good. I'm not sure if the proper greeting is friends, Romans, and countrymen, but I'd like to say hi to Senator Nagel and uh, Representative Holly and the rest of the uh, committee here. I'm here in opposition to Article 5 Convention asking to vote ought not to pass on HB 1058. While this bill appears noble because it attempts to create solutions to an out-of-controlled government and ignores the central cause of the problem it seeks to correct, the Constitution already has fiscal restraints because of its enumerated powers. If an elected person uh, to office does not hold an internal moral compass of fiscal responsibility to their constituents, they should not be elected to public office. The people give effect to the Constitution, as do the state legislators. No amount of new laws will affect those whose conscience is not moved by the tax burden, payer, burdened by fiscal irresponsibility but of elected officials. If elected officials are reckless and irresponsible, new laws will not matter to them. 
We see this proven by those in office now who violate their oath to the Constitution. New laws do not create morality. Internal restraint creates morality. For the, for the same reason, term limits will not hold back or dissuade those who seek to manipulate public opinion and control governmental policy. Studies have already shown that those termed out legislators continue to affect the politics throughout the country, preying on and inexperienced legislators who are new to public office. Anybody's interested in seeing that report, I'd be more than happy to send it to you. I did send uh, everybody in the committee stuff earlier this week, uh, as well as stuff that was I gave to um, Maggie to hand out. Many lobbyists in D.C., and I know many of them, are eager to see an Article 5 convention happen, as they know they will be able to manipulate the delegates at a convention, as well as a constantly rotating Congress of new people who are inexperienced about what the Constitution means. This will be a great place for lobbyists to control our government. If we have term limits in Congress, it's already the weakest branch of our government, the People's House, and special interests interest group paid large sums to get unconstitutional legislation favorable them passed and legislation unfavorable them defeated. We have a problem with lobbyists. An Article 5 convention is not a nonpartisan solution to a bipartisan problem, as the convention the state's projects say. Their solutions have nothing to do with the problem. And Article, uh, <clears throat> more importantly, nothing in Article 5 permits the federal or state governments to control the delegates to an Article 5 convention. As sovereign representatives of we the people, the delegates have the power to do whatever they want, as was proven in the Convention of 1787, including proposing a new constitution, which the Convention of States has already done, with a new mode of ratification. Our Declaration of Independence recognized the self-evident right of a people to throw off one government and set up a new one with a new, easier mode of ratification. The Constitution is not the problem. Elected officials are. We need to become better at voting is what we need to do. Many of us agree that there are many things at a federal level that are not done, that are not that are done, that are not in the Constitution. So why would Congress obey an amended Constitution with powers that the Constitution never granted to the feds in the first place? Mr. Rhodes. What would an amendment say? And Mr. Rhodes really mean it this time? Right in the federal. Oh, your sorry. time is up. Is there any questions for anybody? Anybody? Any questions from Mr. Rhodes? Seeing none, thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Is there anyone else who would like to speak in opposition to HP 1058? There's somebody on Zoom. Hello, Mr. Super, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Thank you very much, uh, Senator. Go May ahead. I speak? Thank yes. you. Yes, uh, Senator Nangle, um, uh, Representative Stover, and, and distinguished members of the committee, thank you very much for hearing me. My name is David Super. I teach law at Georgetown University. These are very difficult times, but calling an Article 5 convention would make them much, much worse. Uh, the purposes for which a convention is supposedly called are irrelevant. Um, there's nothing in the Constitution, in Article 5 or anywhere else, that would limit a convention to the purposes for which it called. And you've had a number of witnesses tell you that it would be limited, that there wouldn't be a runaway. And to them, I would urge you to ask two simple questions. Where in the Constitution is the authority uh, backing up their assertion? And who does the Constitution empower to 
implement uh, such hypothetical rules? There's no answer to either of those. Uh, as witnesses have, have acknowledged, the Congress has no authority over such a uh, convention. Um, there's no provision in Article 5 or elsewhere that would give state legislatures any control over them. Um, once the convention is seated, it would be the highest law of the land and it could do as it pleases. Uh, telling us about conventions that have been held that didn't have Article 5 powers or about irrelevant court cases doesn't change that in any way. Um, even if it stayed within the bounds uh, that the resolution before you would set up, uh, limiting the power of the federal government, that could mean just about anything, taking about anything you want out of our Constitution. Um, for example, the First and Second Amendments are both limits on state power. They're the federal government coming in and saying you can't interfere with freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of religion, um, uh, gun rights. Um, the 14th Amendments, equal protection and due process clauses, uh, the taking amendment, those are all federal restrictions on state power. Could those be stripped out under the guise of limiting federal power? Obviously, yes. Um, this is, in fact, uh, not going to be a uh, gathering of we the people, but like the um, mock conventions that some of the groups have mentioned, um, this will be a collection of state legislatures, also politicians, not uh, federal ones, but um, politicians. And looking at the laws of the states, it turns out that right now there would be solid majorities of 29 of the 50 delegations would be Republican, probably all Republican. And a time when the country is split down the middle, having a unipartisan convention will not make things better. I would respectfully urge um, the, this legislature to decline the invitation to ask for an Article 5 convention and note that a number of states, including New Jersey, Illinois, Colorado, Delaware, Maryland, New Mexico, and Nevada have recently rescinded prior applications for an Article 5 convention because of precisely these concerns. There have been mention about the ratification process as a- Mr. Super? Uh, I'm going to just yes. ask your your time is up. I'm going to just ask you to wrap up in like one or two sentences. Um, certainly, the um, uh, 1787 convention did not honor the limits on it, the ratification process. There, we have no grounds to be confident this one would either. And I thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Mr. Super. Does anybody have any questions for Mr. Super? Uh, Representative Reisman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you for your testimony, sir. I'm wondering uh, if you could provide us for the workshop the the wording or lack of wording where you think in the Constitution your position is stated that that uh, you know this has possibly becoming a runaway convention or I've referred a lot of other people say it it would not become a runaway con convention. I would like to see the facts around that position and any other. But anybody else's position on whether this has controls on it or not? Convention. So well, I think that. the way to do that is simply to look at Article 5 itself. It's quite short, and they keep telling you there are restrictions on the convention, but if you read Article 5, you won't find any. And where there are no restrictions, people can do as they wish. And in this era, people uh, are quite ruthless about exercises of power. So absent some clear prohibition and someone empowered to enforce that prohibition, the convention will do as it pleases. Just one quick follow-up to that. 
I have Article Five here in front of me, and I can I can see where you're coming from on that. But it, it, more important, it looks like it's an interpretation of Article Five. So I just wanted to know if you can back up your interpretation of Article Five. Well, in order to restrain a convention, someone has to do it, and there's no one in Article Five that author is authorizes to do it. So who would have the power to stop them? And if someone tried to, they'd have to cite something to say that the uh, convention had gone out of bounds, and there's nothing in Article Five for them to cite. Um, the notion that it could only amend rather than write a new constitution, that was also true in 1787, but in your own legislature, you sometimes have amendments that consist of striking everything after the enacting clause and putting in something entirely new in its place. And a convention could certainly do something like that or could do like the 1787 convention did, which is junk most of what was left what came in and keep a few pieces, bits and pieces. We have bits of the Articles of Confederation. Where me, I do, I do appreciate your opinion, but I'd like to see that opinion written for the workshop when we take it up, if you could do that. Um, I've discussed some of this in my written testimony for the committee, um, but uh, I'm saying there's nothing there, so I have nothing to show you. Okay. People who say there are restraints, I would urge you to ask them to show you where they come from. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Senator Baldacci has a question for you as well. Yeah, thank you, and thank you, Professor. Um, so isn't the ultimate um, restraint the fact that whatever is proposed by this convention is going to require 38 states to ratify it? Uh, unfortunately not. Um, the 1787 convention operated under rules requiring uh, unanimous consent of the states and of Congress to ratify any uh, amendments to the Articles of Confederation, and they simply disregarded it. One can easily imagine this convention, rather than going to 38 states, simply calling a national referendum on it, saying that's more representative. Maybe they'd say it wasn't possible in the 18th century, but it is now. Um, it's also, once it gets proposed out there, there's no way of deleting it. There's no way of saying, never mind. So it would be hanging out there over the country, waiting for a wave election of one side or the other indefinitely. The 27th Amendment was ratified more than two centuries after it was proposed. So uh, I, I think what you're suggesting is that this convention could be a coup d'etat. And uh, I, I don't see it that way um, because I think... First of all, it would have to, I don't, they would have no legal authority to, to enact anything. I see them only has authority as proposing things, just as the original convention proposed the constitution and it had to be ratified. I just, I don't see where they're going to be able to enact anything without the approval of 38 states. But I, I may be wrong, and I, I didn't take your con law class, and, but I, I just saw it, saw it differently. See yeah, it differently. the Articles of Confederation said that no amendments could be made without the approval of every state and of Congress. And the Philadelphia Convention had absolutely no authority to disregard that. They couldn't even set up a parallel constitution because the Articles of Confederation had a separate prohibition on that. 
And the 1787 convention simply disregarded that. And they're certainly not uh, held in, in contempt by history, anything but. So I think a convention now that said it would be more democratic to put this to a national referendum, I think that they, it, yes, it would be unlawful, but no more so than what the 1787 convention did. And a lot of people would say that sounds more democratic to us. Okay. I, I, I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree. But thank you, sir. Thank you. Any other questions for Professor Super? Seeing none, thank you very much for your testimony. Thank you very much, Senators and Representatives. Okay, is there anyone else who would like to testify in opposition to HP 1058? Seeing none, is there anyone who would like to testify neither for nor against HP 1058 and or provide the committee with additional information. You have to come up. Hi. I have a book, The Law of Article 5, that I can leave with you if you want for your work session. Sure. Is your name and address in it? No. Do you, you want You can it? keep it. Okay. I'll, I'll buy another one. Okay. It's a gift. Sure. It's a gift. Give it to the clerk. Yes, please. Okay. We're not really supposed to, but so put your name and address in it so we can. Yeah, we'll send it back to you. So we can send it back to you. Meets the letter of the law. Okay. Anyone else that would like to testify either for or against? Seeing none, we'll close this public hearing. To learn more, visit conventionofstates.com.